Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. Thank you, listeners. It's so, so, so heartwarming to know that I've got my audience listening, and I thank you so much for those that subscribe, share, and comment on the podcast. It really means such a lot. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome, and just don't forget to subscribe because that's what helps our podcast grow. So thank you so much. And today, listeners, I've got a very special returning guest. Her name is Stephanie McPhail. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me, Lynn. I really appreciate you asking me to come back. I always love speaking with you. Me too. And Stephanie, she is an expert. And what she's an expert in is around healing from unhealthy relationships. Steph, just give us an insight as to what are those steps that help us to heal from our relationships? So, you know, if you haven't heard me on the podcast before, uh, I do, I'm an expert in helping people heal from toxic relationships. And the reason why I got interested in doing that is because I was, I'll say really good at being in unhealthy relationships. I just kept choosing one and going right into the other one. And I finally took my power back, found out who I was and really got comfortable being alone and being um, steady on my own two feet. And because I really knew who I was and what I wanted from life, I was able to attract and marry my best friend, who is my husband, David, and we've been married now for five and a half years and have two beautiful children together. And about um, in July, we moved from New York or June, I should say, we moved from New York to Texas. And it was a, like, we were really excited to go move and start over somewhere else. Cause I'd lived in the same house for a really long time. And it was just exciting to start somewhere new. And about three weeks after moving here, we were moving a refrigerator and the refrigerator came down a little too hard and he got injured and we thought it was a hernia. We weren't truly really what it was. He went to the doctor, ended up that he had diverticulitis that had perforated meant surgery. So he ended up getting that surgery. And then there were issues from that surgery complications. We had to have emergency surgery. And then he had to have um, another surgery to reverse the first surgery. And then um, about on October 30th, he had to have a fourth emergency surgery that almost killed him had he not had it. Had he not had the surgery, he would be dead. Like the surgeon actually said, I've never seen anyone that bad standing up, walking and talking, you know, like nothing was going on. Wow. Yeah, it was scary. So you have to imagine, you know, let's, let's put it into context here. I'm not sure when you're going to be listening to this, but you know, this is the year of COVID. So in this year, there's been, you know, COVID started for us in the States or in New York or in February or so. Um, I was a teacher. We ended teaching um, regularly in March. We went completely virtual in March. In May, we decided to move cross country. We moved in June, so a month later. A month later, my husband started to get sick. I was here in in a new place with no one, running a full-time business with a four-year-old, a two-year-old, one friend that lives a few miles away, 
but no family, nobody else to help support. And I'm juggling all of these balls up in the air. So not to, you know, I'm not going to lie. There was some definite overwhelming parts of all of that. And I'm sure for the listeners, I'm sure you've had those types of experiences where you almost feel like you're walking underwater. Like things are just kind of like, like what's happening? You know, have you ever had that Lynn where you just felt like everything was happening at the same time? Yeah, literally. Um, it, It can, it can be quite fear inducing, can't it? you know, yeah. in terms of um, uh, the feelings that it brings up. Yeah. And so, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I think my husband and I were kind of like joking around and we're like, oh, well, this is an excuse to have more drinks and have more snacks. And, you know, we were drinking and probably having at least a glass of wine every day and we we're having snacks because it was just kind of, I think we're just kind of not dealing with it. And as time went on, we said, okay, we need to get back. I said, at least, you know, I, I need to get back to my regular routine. And I'm going to tell you right now that, you know, self-care is what I teach my clients. And it's what all of you should be doing as well. And and the thing is, is that it helps to let off that steam so that you don't get to that overwhelmed feeling because I, and I'm not going to lie again, you know, I definitely had some overwhelmed feelings during this whole time trying to juggle everything myself, but having these self-care options were lifesavers. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I wasn't doing these. So I'm going to, I I want to share with you what worked for me and what works for my clients, what I actually, you know, I practice what I preach. So these are things that I actually recommend. And I think that if you start, you know, using these for yourself, you're going to notice a major difference too. So the first one I want to talk about is exercise. First tip exercise. What I recommend minimum 30 minutes, uh, three times a week. I know some people are coming from different levels and abilities of um, being able to exercise and move around. Start with a minute, start with five minutes, you know, start with a short period of time, do it a few times during the day. Um, The idea behind exercise is, you know, not only is it good for your heart, of course, and for your body in general, but it actually increases your endorphins. Your endorphins make you feel happier. So if you have ever done like a really hard workout and you, you know, you're really sweating and, you know, during it, you're like, oh, this is terrible. And then it's over. And you're like, why do I feel so euphoric? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just because it's over. I promise. It's actually because you're getting endorphins. So the natural feel good chemicals that are produced in your brain as a consequence from exercise actually helps you deal with stress in a more, in a better way. So, you know, if you're exercising, I, you know, I actually started exercising five times a week because when stress started to get worse, more, more overwhelming, that time for myself, that mommy time, you know, you've got, I've got two young children, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They are very needy of me all the time. They know, you know, my two-year-old says, mommy exercise. And she does her little like pretend exercises. She knows, you know, they know, leave mommy alone during that time. That's my time to really refocus on me and to focus on, you know, getting myself, um, I I always say this is mommy's uh, way to deal with things. Like this is like medicine. (laughs) Like I need it. Everybody else is happier if mommy exercises. (laughs) I think the word exercise for some people though, especially if they're not being used to doing a lot of exercise, because it's a very sedentary world at the moment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And certainly if you've got wealth or ability issues, the word exercise is, is, is you can see from some people's body language, it's like, oh, you know, I could never look at that as being my self care, but 
um, you know, I think we have to think about how we can we reframe that because exercise doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, doing anything high impact or anything that involves going to the gym. It can just be, you know, get, put some music on and have a dance. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I love dancing, dancing. We have dance party every night with my children. We love, we have after dinner, we put on the music really loud and we do dance parties. So we, we love dancing when my husband was in the hospital. So my husband, the last time was in the hospital for five and a half weeks. And so, you know, when you're, when you've hours away from death, there's a long period of time before you get out of the hospital. Yes. And so just being able to get up and walk around the unit was a miraculous feat for him. So I would pretty much like I was the one who reminded him to get up and move. So I would say, you know, even if you just move, like get out of your bed, sit up and just stand up and sit back down where your bed is, that uses your quads. There are things you don't realize that you're doing. If, you know, if you're gardening, if you are um, going for a walk with your friends, you can make it a, a social time because we know, you know, when it comes to holistic healing, you know, there's a body, mind, um, spirits, and social connection. All of those things are connected. So if you can go and exercise and have friends that you go, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. You want to come with me? I actually have a client. I mean, she's lucky. She lives in Hawaii. So <laughs> she's very lucky. But she actually started a meetup group where, you know, she there's, a, there's an app online for people that are looking to do stuff. She said, hey, who wants to meet me um, at this location? Let's go for a, a hike. And four people showed up and they all went for a hike together. So you can do those kinds of things. So, you know, exercise, take away the fear of it. Realize that, you know, reconnecting body and, and mind is really important. Yoga is something that I, I really recommend to be able to do. Because again, we're so much in our mind, anxiety, stress, fear, all of those things are, are in the mind, but it causes issues to your body. You want to reconnect those two. So definitely number one important thing is exercise. Um, and I know you you ex you exercise too, right, Lynn? Because you just lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I did a few years ago. I lost five stone, which is about 70-something pounds, I think, in U.S. Mm -hmm. pounds. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because uh, it's, yeah, I can't remember my maths now, but it's 14 pounds to a stone anyway. So five stone is is a hefty chunk of uh, weight, but um yeah, I, I did do that at one point. But the thing was, um, you know, I, I, I didn't start off being able to, you know, just go into straight away high intensity exercise because I had that yeah. amount of weight. You know, mm -hmm. I literally had to build it up over a long period of time, um, you know, just starting off with, um, you know, the odd uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, once or twice a week and then building it up from there. So it, it is literally just getting your head around taking that first step towards doing something and mm -hmm. like I said before you know don't perceive the word exercise as being something that that's a chore you know you can make it really fun and, and just consider what can I do that's going to enable me to move my body today and if that's something like dancing or certainly as well what I think is good to bring in is is like you mentioned the social thing you know make it a social thing because if you've got a friend that, that wants to join in or a group of people that you can socialize with, that also makes you more accountable because you're less likely to not um, not do it. You know, you're less likely to talk yourself out of it if, if you've got somebody knocking on your door saying, come on, it's time for our hike or, you know, whatever activity you've set up for yourselves. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's great to set goals. So, you know, I, I want people to start thinking about the gain 
what are they gaining from doing this? Because a lot of people will get scared off from exercise. They, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to. I've never regretted a day of exercise. No. I might've had a hard time getting up to do it. You know, that's real. But I've never looked back and said, oh, I shouldn't have exercised today. That was a terrible decision, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, I, have, I had a client of mine where she was very, very overweight and she started to eat, you know, more plant-based diet and, and I was going to do a half marathon. And she said, oh, I, I looked at the half marathon. There's actually a, like a three kilometer um, run beforehand. And you just said, I think I'm going to go. And I said, go for it. And, you know, she practiced walking around her neighborhood and walking with friends to be able to work up to the three kilometers, you know, so there's, you can do those things and it gives you something to look forward to. I had another friend of mine, all she wanted to do was hike this certain mountain. There was this mountain that people want to hike in her area. And she said, I just, I just want to hike that. I want to see what it looks like. And so she practiced and her goal was, and it was a trip. Like it was something fun, like, oh, I'm going to go to this place and go hike somewhere. So you can do those kinds of things. And so it's like that reward. Your brain will react very well to a reward. If we celebrate the, the accomplishments that we have, even those small accomplishments, oh, I got out of bed today. Woohoo. You know, yes. you, give, <laughs> you give yourself like, oh, I went to the gym. You know, you celebrate those things. Your brain actually will become more inclined to do those things. So, you know, exercise hands down, number one, one of the best things that I have done for myself throughout my life is using exercise as a coping skill. So that definitely is number one. Number two, eating. Now, again, at the beginning, I said, I was like, oh yeah, we were having snacks and I wasn't really eating very well and you know, whatever. One of the things that I think that every single person listening can add into, again, we're not taking away, we wanna add into and think about what, the, what we're getting out of these wonderful things is a green smoothie. So every single day I drink my green smoothies. Green smoothies are made um, healthy healing green smoothies are if you have a, a pitcher for a blender, um, about three quarters of that should be greens. I, I like baby spinach because it's not doesn't have a lot of like bitter aftertaste. So baby spinach. And then a quarter of it is fruit. I like um, banana. I like pineapple, mango. Those are like my three favorite. And I do frozen mango and pineapple. But you can choose the fruits that you want. It, it, it's not for the fruit. It's for the vegetable. The fruit just kind of covers up the taste. I don't taste the spinach at all. I just taste the delicious fruit. Um, you fill it up with water. And then you blend it with raw, um, raw chia or raw flaxseed. And make sure that it's raw. It can't be roasted or anything like that blend it in there. And the, the reason why you add those things in there, so the, the greens and the chia and flax, the chia and flax are for omega-3s. Omega-3s reduces swelling in your body. Um, obviously, there's all the nutrients, the vitamin K, the iron, all of the good stuff in the um, spinach. And then you, you know, fill it up water, blend it, and you drink it all. And it actually does this ma amazing magical thing. It actually lowers your inflammation. Stress causes inflammation. Mm. Stress causes disease. Stress causes it to be more difficult to think clearly. So we're going back to that again. In order to really get your body working properly, you want to make sure that you're feeding it the right nutrients. So your body wants to be healthy. It wants to take care of you and do all the things you want it to do, but we don't give it the right tools to do those things. So having that green smoothie, even if you're not necessarily eating perfectly all the time, it's, it's at least giving your body the tools to fix those little things that come up as your body goes through the day. So like for me, I will make a green smoothie and I'll have, I'll have a good amount, you know, and I'll sip on it throughout the day because you can't, there's no upper limit of green smoothies. You could have them all day, all night, 
you know, and they're not going to, it's not going to do anything detrimental to you. It's just going to hyper nourish your body. So for those of you who are home or you want a snack, like last night I had dinner and it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was hungry. And I said, Hmm, Oh yeah, I have a little bit of green smoothie left in the refrigerator. So I popped that out, finished it. And I didn't have snacks. I could have easily grabbed a bag of chips or the, you know, the unhealthy thing because yes. it's available to me, but I chose the green smoothie instead because it was there. And also, you know, a good thing that you mentioned about that um, is, you know, obviously it's a good option to choosing an unhealthy snack, especially to go to bed with, uh, you know, yeah. after eating something like that. But also I would think, you know, if you are sipping something like that throughout the day, I should think it would make you feel quite full and you're less likely then to snack on other, you know, unhealthier options. Yeah, well, between that and I, I drink 96 ounces of water also to, to detoxify. So water is really important to clean you out too. But, you know, it actually increases your metabolism. So like things that I used to enjoy that were like super sweet when I have, you know, I'm drinking my green smoothies regularly and I have that super sweet thing. I just automatically is not as interested in that. You know, it starts to change. And again, it's not, a, it's not like, oh, I can never have that unhealthy thing ever again. Mm. I just, I've tended to not want to choose those things because I'm already comfortably full from the green smoothie. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're like, I, I just want to have the ice cream. So you just have the ice cream. You don't feel bad about it, but you want to make sure that you're getting the, the right nourishment regularly in order for your body to be healthy. I think too, you know, and I, I think when we change and add something in like that, just one simple tip, like you've just mentioned, just adding that green smoothie that isn't going to taste of greens. It's going to taste of your favorite fruits uh, mm -hmm. that you blended. So it will be pleasant for you yep. to drink is that, um, you know, the, your, your cravings for the unhealthy stuff start to wane a bit, don't they? Because mm, yep. you can train yourself to sort of then not actually want the unhealthier options because your palate just or your thought doesn't even go in that direction mm -hmm. if your green smoothie doesn't taste good you're not making it right it should taste good you know there shouldn't it should not be like you're forcing it down it should be enjoyable to consume so you know just play around with the fruit see what you like you know i would recommend trying the one that i enjoy because i definitely i don't want it to be bland i like a little sweetness um some people prefer like saltier flavors you can play around with that too. Some, I mean, I've heard people put tomatoes in there, so you, really? can, you, you, know, you can do what you want, but I, I like the fruitiness of it. So that's, you know, I, I do it with a mango, pineapple and banana. Yeah. That's to me is my favorite mix. I do like, I do confess to having a bit of a sweet tooth, but I also quite enjoy the bitter taste. You know, for, for, for me, I really like lemons, mm. you know, so I, you know, quite enjoy adding lots of lemon as, as a fruit as a different option to the taste because I quite like that bitterness is, is a quite a nice flavor for me. I quite yeah. enjoy that. And, and lemon does some weird things where it kind of brings out other flavors too. So if you add lemons to it, I, I, I've only added it a few times and every time I'm pleasantly surprised with how good it tastes with a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> and I do that with water as well, because I always prefer water with lemon in it. You know, I'm mm -hmm. always asking people, you know, if they get any lemon, because I don't know what it's like over there, but here where I am in Spain, if you order fizzy water, they always bring it with slices of lemon. But if you order still water, they never bring any slices of lemon. And I always mm -hmm. prefer the still water. So I'm always yeah. saying, can you give me some lemon slices or I'm pinching my friends, you know, if they've got lemon <laughs> slices from theirs and squeezing it into my own glass because I just like that bitterness. 
as a flavor. So yeah, that's just me. Mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And you can add up that little bit of flavor. My husband doesn't love water. So a little bit of lemon squeezed in there and he'll drink it more easily. So whatever you need to do to get that, you know, get those good stuff in, then definitely do that. Um, the third one that I think you're all going to love too, because this one, this one for me is, was hard until I learned how to do it. And it's hard for a lot of my clients because, you know, I really, I work with a lot of women and I work with men too, but I, I work with a lot of women who are very successful in other places in their lives, but they are not very successful in their relationships. And when we start breaking things down, there is that codependency that I can take care of everybody else, but nobody needs to take care of me. Mm. So the next tip that is really important to learn how to do is to ask for help. And I know some people might kind of cringe when I say that, but you are not an expert in everything. I am not an expert in everything. You know, when it comes to, for example, creating healthy relationship, I have a lot of clients that are trying to create healthy relationships, but they don't even know what one looks like. So no. how are they ever going to do that? Mm. You know, it's like asking someone to perform brain surgery who's never been to school for it. Well, <laughs> how are you going to do that? You know, we, we put way too much, I don't know, guilt and stress on ourselves. We're not, we're not able to do the things that we haven't been taught how to do. Mm. And, and then not only that, but there are times in life where we just don't know how to do it all. And so, you know, going back to what happened with me recently with my husband, you know, I was doing pretty well. I was using my exercise. I was using, you know, healthy eating. I was talking to friends on zoom, you know, I was using some social things and there was, you know, there was the fourth emergency surgery. Luckily he was okay. And then the doctor called me and said, you know, he could be in there for a few more weeks. We're looking at possibly putting him um, for some special extra care. And, you know, we might have to do another surgery because his wound isn't healing well. And I hung up the phone with her and I just started sobbing. I was actually at the park with my children and I put them in the car and I just started sobbing and I could feel my chest just like, I was felt like I was having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I thought I could do this and I, and I could, but it was like all of a sudden that moment of like, there's no end in sight. I don't know how I'm gonna do this for this long. I had been juggling all the balls in the air for so long. So I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so I realized in that moment, I need help. I need someone to help me. So I started reaching out to people. I reached out to family members. I reached out to friends. I thought about all the people who were following the, the, the COVID you know, protocol, the suggestions to really quarantine and things like that, because now my husband's a high risk and I want to make sure that everyone's safe. Mm. So, you know, finding out the right person. So finally my sister-in-law came and she came for a week and it was so helpful. And after a few days, she said, how did, how have you done this? She said, I thought I was going to get work done and hang out with the kids. She said, but I haven't been able to get any work done. I'm just, you know, doing stuff with the house and, and doing, and I said, well, <laughs> uh, I, I, yes, thank you for realizing that I've been doing a lot and it's been okay. But now that you're here, I'm all really realizing how much I'm doing. And, you know, she said, well, you know, I wish I could stay longer, but I have to go home to my family. And I said, okay, fine. So she left. And then it was like a day or two. And I said, nope, nope, I, I, I definitely still need help. So I, I reached out again and it ended up that we had a family member that lived about four and a half hours away that I had never met. My husband had never met. And uh, he was uh, my, my uh, mother-in-law's cousin. So he said, oh, I'll come and help. So he drove and he was someone who was quarantining the whole time. He was like, lives on an island in Texas. Like he was far away from everybody. 
So he came and he stayed for about 10 days. And it was pretty much to the point where I was able to find the nanny. And then I was able, and then I, I wasn't actually able to go visit the hospital for a few days because they shut the hospital for visitors down. And so, but all of that was because I was not letting go asking for help. I knew in that point of feeling so overwhelmed and I was again, feeling okay until that moment, my body said, Stephanie, you got to ask for help. Now, old me would have been like, Shh, body, you can do this. Don't tell anyone that you can't do this. You can just do it yourself. But healthy me realized this is too much. I need to go and talk to someone. So it's really important for you to find someone that you can work with, that will help you, that will guide you, someone where you want to be, someone who can support you in wherever the stressful situation is that you're in. And you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's actually a great service to your friends and family, the people who really care about you. Not like the fake friends that are just kind of there. I call them, you know, the fair weather friends. Yes. The real friends, the real people that care, that genuinely care about you will be very excited to say, hey, wow, she's finally needing my help. I can finally give back to all of the great things that she's done. Very often when we are afraid to ask for help, we don't even allow anyone the pleasure of giving back all of the great things that we've given to them. Absolutely, yeah. I'm guilt, I've been guilty of that in the past, but I, I've learned my lesson and 100% agree. You know, we as women can be quite poor at receiving, can't we? Because we feel like we've got to be the do it all woman. Yeah. <laughs> not conducive to, our, you know, our own well-being. No, it's not. And, you know, and just because this is, you know, what this podcast is, is about healthy you know, relationships. And so one of the things that was really funny is that when I started dating my now husband, I was dating somebody else at the same time and they both knew I was very open and honest with both of them. I was like, I don't, I think I want to be single. I don't, you know, I don't really know what I want to do. So I was telling both of the guys that I was dating both of them. And my husband's name is David. And the other guy's name was Dan. And I, I was seeing Dan. He said, what are you doing this week? And I said, Oh, I'm going to go see David. And he said, Oh, okay. Well, what are you doing? I said, well, we're going into New York city. And cause I lived about 45 minutes away from New York city. Um, I'm going into New York city. I'm going to take the train and then we're going to go do some fun stuff. And he said, okay, why don't you see if he's willing to drive you home from the city? Cause he's, he was driving in. And I said, well, why would I do that? I have my car. I mean, I, I can uh, get on the train. I always go in and out of the city by myself. Like I don't need anyone's help. You know, again, I'm strong, independent woman. I don't need anybody's help. So <laughs> he said, well, if I were with you in the city, I would want to spend that extra time with you and drive you back home. And I said, yeah, but that's a lot to ask. He said, but it would be my pleasure. He said, so if he really is interested in you, if he really likes you, then he's going to request to drive you home. And I said, hmm, okay, that sounds weird. I, I, don't, I didn't know, I felt uncomfortable even with that situation, but I said, okay. So I went to the city with David and it was the end of the night and he said, hey, why don't I drive you home? And I, it was like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, oh. Really? I said, but I said, you have your cars kind of not working so well. And, you know, I, I, then you have to drive all the way back home. And we lived about an hour and a half away from each other. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I just, I want to spend that extra time with you. That's, I, I have no problem doing it. And I said, okay. And we had a really great drive back home. And I thought, wow, I had never allowed anyone to do anything for me before like this. It was the first time where I said, yeah, give me, get, allow, take care of me, you know? And so it was really great. It was a great opportunity for me to see 
that I was not allowing other people to give back. And I started to learn how to ask for those, those supports, those helps, and to be okay with receiving when people wanted to give me something. And also knowing that if you declined, you're, you know, doing that person a disservice because they're actually offering you a gift when they're offering mm -hmm. something for you to receive, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And we deserve it. You know, I think that it's like, we don't want to cause anyone any problems. You know, I have clients that say, well, I don't want to tell someone my real feelings because I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to make them feel bad. And, you know, this actually happened with my four-year-old not that long ago. He was, he was in my room and he started to look sad. And I said, well, sweetheart, what's the matter? And he said, well, if I tell you, then you're going to be sad. And I said, well, why don't you let me be the judge of how my feelings are and tell me what your feelings are? And so he told me whatever it was. And I said, okay, I understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we do that. I think that there's that part of us. We're so afraid of, and, and I was guilty of this myself, so afraid of, you know, making somebody else feel bad that we don't actually say what we want to say. And then we feel bad. But then the other person also notices that we're not being completely honest. And then they actually feel bad too. So <laughs> why not just be honest and tell yes. the person from the beginning what you really want and need? I agree entirely. So we've got three great tips there. The first one is exercise or any sort of movement that you find fun and easy to do. Um, second one is nutrition, you know, adding something that's going to benefit you and, and hopefully, you know, you're going to see the results of that. It also benefiting you from it, boosting your metabolism. And the third one is asking for help. You know, if you're in a stressed overwhelmed situation, reach out and ask for help. So any other bonus tip that you could add to those three that you've already shared, Stephanie? Yeah. Yeah. You know, something that, you know, cause there is that mind, body, spirit, you know, connection. And so, you know, meditation, if you can throw in some meditation while you're dealing with stress and just in general, have that as part of your, your regular routine. Um, it can be prayer meditation. I actually really like this guy named Jason Stevenson. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. Um, I don't get any money for it. I just, I really enjoy him. <laughs> I like his voice, but find someone that you enjoy listening to their voice, or you don't have to actually do a, a guided meditation at all. You can actually, um, like if, if you've never meditated before, meditation is really just about allowing your brain to slow down its thoughts. That's, that's all that is. So what you can do is just like um, a beginner meditation. If you're, if you don't want to do the guided meditation is you sit up, find yourself a chair with a, a good back and put your feet on the ground and put your hands on your thighs. You can put them hands up, which is receiving energy or put your hands down for, you know, you've got enough energy. You just want to kind of keep it where it's at. So put your hands on your thighs, close your eyes, sit straight up. And focus on the middle part um, of your forehead, right between your eyes. So your eyes are closed, but you're kind of focusing on that. They call it the, the third eye. It's, you know, the spiritual spot, but concentrate on that. And then pick a word that you can repeat. I like, you know, the word love is one that I like. Yeah. And so you repeat it in your mind. So very slowly, like love, love, love. And very slowly like that. And the reason for that is because the thinking mind wants to think. So we'll allow our brain to go all over the place. The reason why we use that word is to bring us back there. And it's in those moments of pause that we give our brain a break. 
we allow ourselves to slow down. And as you keep practicing, you'll start to notice those racing thoughts, which is normal. People say to me all the time, I can't meditate because I just can't turn my brain off. Well, congratulations, you're human. None of us really can. You know, the, the job of the brain is to think, but if we can help slow those thoughts down, we can, again, that word clarity, more clarity, we can get more calmness, more peacefulness, you know, and again, there's a lot of really great studies that talk about how meditation actually decreases diseases, you know, it decreases inflammation. So all these great things that it does, it's really helpful. So even if you just start with a minute every day, sometimes you can just do it in the morning before you get out of bed, just one minute, have yourself a little mini meditation while you're still laying in bed. Um, then maybe kind of think about what you're doing for the day or right before bed, you can do a small meditation, but anytime you can just kind of throw that in. And if you, you know, do some breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth and just slowly breathe in and out, you'll start to notice that your everything is slowing down and you're more able to concentrate. So those are definitely my four tips. I think that's a great, you know, that's a great start for those of you who might need to be reminded how important it is to take care of yourself before you start spreading yourself thin and all of the things that you have going on. But I know you had something that I, I would love to add on to. So what, you had a tip you wanted to add on, Lynn. Yeah, I think another great tip for those listeners listening around, you know, adding to your self-care is to have that attitude of gratitude, you know, look for the things that you can be grateful for. In other words, um, you know, don't focus on what you don't want or what you're not getting or not having. Focus on the things that you do have, that you do want, and that you can already see that um, you can you can be grateful for. You know, even if that is just the fact that you woke up this morning and took took a breath. Yeah, I, I and I love that you added that because it would have been my fifth had I thought of it before. Because there's when when my husband had his last surgery. And I actually had to speak to the surgeon. It was, it was a, a five hour surgery for the, the final surgery, we hope. And she called me around 1230 in the morning, sounding exhausted. And I said, are you okay? And she said, well, more importantly, let's talk about your husband. And I said, is, are we concerned about him dying? Like the way that she was talking about yeah. what was going on. And she said, well, and she paused and said, well, that's not on the table right now, but I want you to know it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, the next day when I came to the hospital, it was actually, that was Halloween was the next day. So I came dressed up as Captain Marvel because that's the plan. <laughs> we were going to all dress up as superheroes. Aww. So it was actually kind of cool to go to the ICU in a, a costume because there's a lot of other stressed out people that were, you know, that were happy to see Captain Marvel come in. But to see my husband sitting up after he was intubated, after he had been, you know, he was, you know, mandated to sleep, they gave him medications to sleep. And, you know, to see him sitting up and talking to the surgeon and for me to be able to talk to him, I was so happy to see that. And then, you know, throughout the time of him being in the hospital, every once in a while, he would say, I am so sorry, you must be so tired. And, you know, this is such a long day for you. And, and it was, you know, I would start at eight o'clock in the morning and go till 11, 12 o'clock at night because I'd have to work and take care of the kids and then go to the hospital. And I, every time he'd say that, I would say, but I am so grateful because if I wasn't here right now, that means you'd be dead. And so as exhausted as I am, I am grateful for the, for the exhaustion. I'm grateful 
for, you know, sitting in this uncomfortable chair. I'm grateful for all of these things because we're both here talking, breathing, and knowing that we're going to be able to move on from this. So, you know, those things that we take for granted, you know, every day, it's, those are the things to be grateful for. Like, hey, I woke up today. What do I get to do? And, and think of it as, you know, I, I say to my son, every day, it literally is the adventure. We, we were driving the other day and, and we like drove by a Buddhist temple. And I said, what? I didn't know there was a Buddhist temple here. So we stopped, we pulled over, we like looked at all the, the statues and whatever. And we're like, that. And my, my son goes, that was so cool. This is such a great adventure. But we were going to pick up like a secondhand object. You know? <laughs> so, like, yeah. And I said, who would have known that this is what we were going to, we were going to run into, but it, but that's what it is. It's, it's the gratitude for all of those little things, but yeah. life is all the little things. We've got to start, you know, reconnecting to that, that gratitude. hundred percent agree. You know, for me, that is something I'm very aware of on a daily basis to, to put into practice. And, you know, really, really acknowledge that I'm living a blessed life. You know, mm-hmm. it might be a very humble life, but it's a, it's a blessed life, regardless of what challenges are going on around me. It, mm-hmm. it is uh, always enhanced because I have that attitude of gratitude. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. They've been fantastic tips to uh, share about, you know, what contributes to living a healthier, happier life around our own self-care and well-being. I really appreciate you coming in and uh, sharing your wise words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And for the benefit of the listeners, what would be your best contact address or information that you could share? Well, every Thursday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, which I realize for some of you would be the middle of the morning for some of you. Don't worry, it's always on a replay. But uh, we actually run a free private group called Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt. It's actually named after my book, my number one new release in codependency, um, Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt, and my workbook, Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt. So if you look that up, you can join the free private group and you'll get lots of, we have free trainings, we have um, free live streams. And of course, you know, if you wanted to move on and get specific coaching, we are here to help you as well. But my husband and I actually work together. So come be a part of our community. We would love to have you. Excellent. And as always, I'll make sure that Stephanie's contact information as well as her bio is all in our show notes so that you can access everything you need to know about Stephanie within that. So thank you once again, Stephanie. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. And it just leaves me to say, listeners, that, you know, true love starts, as I always say, with opening our hearts. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.